Father, thank you again for your great love, your kindness, your compassion, your loyalty, your faithfulness, all these wonderful things that you have shown to us. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word to see how your people lived out these things and and how we can live them out as well to give honor and praise to you by living for you. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're doing a sermon series where we're looking at the book of Ruth. One of my favorite books in the Bible, not just because it's the name of my mother-in-law, but, uh, but because it's a great book. So um, I want to encourage you to read it and reread it. It's just four chapters long. Please get to know this wonderful book of the Bible uh, over these weeks here. The title of our sermon series is True Love. And the idea is that it's not just the love between a, a husband and a wife who end up getting married in this book. That's part of it. Really, the true love that we see here is the love that God shows. And, and one of the main themes of the book of Ruth, and this one that I'm going to repeat several times today, so w- when I do that, it's not because I've forgotten that I've said it already, it's because I want you to understand it. And here's one of the main themes of the book of Ruth, that God shows his love to his people as his people show his love to each other. That's, that's one of the, the great takeaways for me from, from the book of Ruth in general. That, that God orchestrates the opportunities of our lives such that we have the ability to show his love to those around us. And, and as we think back in our lives, the times when, when we have deeply felt God's love for us, it may very well be because one of his people showed his love to us. Sometimes that's the way that God gets his message across to us, it is through that kind of love. In Ruth 1, which we looked at last Sunday, Ruth, who was from Moab, and Naomi, who was from Israel but had moved to Moab, both found themselves as widows. Remember, they, they found themselves in a place where they wondered how they would be taken care of. And Naomi decided that she was going to go back to her homeland of Israel, and Ruth decided that she was going to go with her. So the big lingering question then, as we get to chapter 2, is how will these two widows be provided for To to be a widow in those days, ideally, you would have children to look after you, but they didn't have that. So they they had to go back to Israel and just hope that they would find mercy and kindness from somebody, perhaps from a a relative, that, that could watch over them and show God's love to them. And the answer to their big question here has to do with the third main character. So we met Naomi and Ruth last Sunday in chapter 1, and today we are introduced to Boaz. He is the third of the three main characters. Now, I I chuckle at one of the phrases in Ruth 2. It says in verse 19 that Boaz took notice of Ruth. Now, the reason I chuckle about that is because this was... uh, When I first met Christine, I was told that she took notice of me. So here's the stage. I was a missionary. I was about to head over for a, a year in Turkey to serve as a missionary, and I was giving a missions update at church. And afterwards, somebody who knew Christine and somebody who knew me came up to me and said, Christine took notice of you. And I was like, really? I'm not surprised. I mean, no, really? Really? Um, It turns out that may not have actually been true. But uh, that's what I was told, and that's what got our relationship going. So um, she notices me every once in a while now. But uh, Boaz in this chapter is an Israelite and a landowner, and a farmer. He, he's a man of means, but he's also a man with a good reputation in Israel. It says of him, in, um, and we'll see this early on, that he was called a man of standing. And I'll explain that to you in a little bit. So Boaz took notice of Ruth, yes, but 
I, I don't know that it was just romantic things that he had in mind there. In Psalm 41.1, it says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. So I think that Boaz had that mindset, that he took notice of Ruth because he took notice of her need. He had eyes to see the need. Ruth 2 is going to be about how God takes care of his people, but one of the things that you'll see very clearly in Ruth 2 that the way that God took care of his people was by sending another one of his people to take care of his other people. And that, again, gets at what I think is the main theme of the book of Ruth, that God shows his love to us as we show his love to other people. So I want us to be kind, compassionate, and loving people. And one of the reasons I want that for us is because God is kind and compassionate and loving. And again, he orchestrates the events of our lives such that we can show his love and his grace and his mercy to people around us. So what I want to do today is I want to walk through Ruth 2. So first what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the chapter, and I'm just going to kind of stop along the way to point out some things about the chapter. And after I do that, I want to point out two, two parts of this story, two topics in this story that should apply directly to our lives. And then after I've done that, I want to, I want to take one last look at this chapter through the lens of the gospel and to see how this chapter prepares us or, or sets the stage for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, reading through the chapter now, starting in Ruth 2, verse 1. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing, whose name was Boaz. So here we meet Boaz, this man of standing. Now, that phrase, man of standing, uses the same word that we looked at in Proverbs 31. Remember there, the wife of noble character? And it's the same word that's going to be used of Ruth in the next chapter, where it calls her a woman of noble character. And I, I've mentioned before, I think that this word could perhaps be translated as strength. Sometimes in the Bible it talks about, it, it literally describes the physical strength of a warrior. But that same word can also be used to describe the, the depth of character of a person. I think that's what we see here with Boaz, is that he was a man of, of strong moral character. He had a reputation that had gone before him. Then verse 2, And Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Now this practice called gleaning was one of God's provisions for poor people in the Old Testament law. You could say that this was Israelite welfare system. And there were others as well. Um, so here's how this works. Harvesters were told not to collect every single morsel of the harvest that they could. They were told if they, if they missed something or if something fell to the ground that they were to leave it behind for the poor and the alien and the widow. Here's how it's said specifically in Deuteronomy 24:19. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheath, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So Boaz, as a faithful Israelite, would have known about this practice of gleaning, and Naomi would have known about it as well, and perhaps she told Ruth about it. So Ruth comes up with this idea then in verse 2. She says, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to try to get some food for us. That's what Ruth was saying there in, in verse 2. Although, as we'll see throughout this chapter, there were some dangers inherent in gleaning. You, you, your mind doesn't have to wander too far to think about what could happen to a single woman as she goes out and works in the fields with these harvesters, many of whom were men. Uh, in fact, Naomi acknowledges that risk at the end of this chapter in verse 22, and Boaz himself acknowledges that risk in verse 9. So what, what Ruth was agreeing to do here was something that was perhaps not safe for her and something that would also be hard work. 
but she knew that if, if she and her mother-in-law were going to have what they needed, that this was something that she could do. And at this point in the story, Naomi, again, we talked last Sunday about how she was kind of in this woe is me, woe is Naomi phase. All she could say here at the end of that was, go ahead, my daughter. And again, in the back of her mind, she might knew that there was risk there, but she didn't say anything about the risk here. Um, so it's interesting. Now, what's going to happen? Well, verse 3. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Eli Melech. It says here, as it turned out, but let's not assume that this was chance or, or just some impersonal work of fate going on here. One of the ways that we have to understand the book of Ruth is that God is behind the scenes directing it all. And that's one of the ways that I want us to see our lives as well. Sometimes I'm sure that our life feels like oh, it's not going the way I wanted to, or we might feel like it's spinning out of control. But please know, our life is never out of control because God is always in control. So as it turned out, well, God was working behind the scenes. Then let's read verses 4 through 10. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, Whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, She is the Moabites who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in a shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? So in verse 10, Ruth acknowledges that she got exactly what she wanted. Remember earlier in the chapter, she was looking for someone in, in whose eyes she would have favor? Well, she found it. She found Boaz, who had favor on her. Then, verses 11 through 12. Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now in verse 12, I want to point out the word wings there. There's a play on words in the book of Ruth. In, in here, Boaz is acknowledging that, that Ruth had come underneath the wings of the Lord. And in doing so, he has acknowledged that Ruth has come to follow the Lord. Because remember, when Ruth left Moab, she didn't just leave Moab, she left the gods of Moab behind. So, so this was her conversion story, that when she came with Naomi, she also came with the God of Israel. So Boaz had, had taken notice of this and understood that, that she had become a follower of the one true God. Now the play on words is going to come in chapter 3 then, when Boaz puts the corner of his garment over Ruth. The, the word for garment is the same as the word for wings. So it's pretty interesting here. Boaz is praying... That, that Ruth would be rewarded by the Lord for the kindness that she had shown to her mother-in-law Naomi. And in chapter 3, Boaz ends up being the answer to his own prayer. Do you see how that works? And, and that's one of the ways that God does things in our lives. 
is that, um, and I want you to know that when you're praying for people, oh, I see this person with such desperate need. God, I pray that you would raise up somebody to meet their need. Well, who do you think that might be? I'm not, I'm not saying that every single time it's going to be you, but let's keep our eyes open to the needs that we see around us. It's, it's one of the ways that God shows his love to us is by showing it through the kind acts of other people. Now, one theologian noticed how Boaz might have faced a dilemma here. In the Old Testament law, he was commanded to be kind to the, the poor, the widow, and the alien, of, of which Ruth was all three. But in the Old Testament, it also had uh, some warnings about intermingling with Moabites that Moabites worshipped other gods and, and the Israelites weren't to associate with them in that sense of, of inviting them to come in and bring their worship of other gods with them. So how did Boaz face this theological dilemma? Well, I think it's with what he said here in verse 12, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I shared last Sunday about how God's heart has always been for the nations. And here what we see is Ruth coming under the wings of the Lord. And Boaz recognized as such that, that she, she had changed identity. That God had changed her identity from, from lost to found, to, to child of God. So a pretty neat part of the story here. Now let's read verses 13 through 20. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. I wonder what that tasted like. Sounds good to me, but... As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the fields until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. So in verse 20, we get at what many theologians call the main word in the book of Ruth, and I would agree with them. It's that word translated as kindness in the middle of verse 20. This is the word that I, I shared with you last Sunday. It comes from that Hebrew word chesed that, that means kindness, loyalty, compassion. It's all, kind of, all those good things all mixed up in one. And uh, I said last Sunday, and I'll repeat it again, you could tell the, book of, the, the story of the book of Ruth in short form by telling the three verses in which this word shows up. So chapter 1, verse 8, and then here in 2.20, and then in 3, chapter 3, verse 10. And here in 2.20, Naomi sees the Lord's kindness as she sees Boaz's kindness. So again, do you see how that works? Um, up until this point in the story, Naomi was kind of this dejected woman. She said, the Lord uh, brought me away full, but brought me back empty. She thought she was empty. 
And then she saw the kindness of Boaz and it lifted up her eyes to see the kindness of the Lord. And again, that's how I want us to view our lives, that we can show God's kindness to other people. That, that if somebody's in a difficult spot, we can actually show them God's love in such a way that they might see it as God's love. In fact, some theologians mention here how grammatically you could look at verse 20 in such a way as to say we're not sure whether it's Boaz's kindness or the Lord's kindness that Naomi's talking about. And, and the simple answer to the question is that it's both. That, that Naomi wasn't in tune enough to see God's kindness until she saw it from Boaz and from Ruth, I would say, as well. Um, then also in this verse, we see that phrase, kinsman redeemer, the, the one that Dan mentioned earlier. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about that one next Sunday as we look at chapter 3. But the, the short story of it here is that a kinsman redeemer would be a relative who would have the means to be able to help poor people out of their difficult situation. So again, there were things set up within the structure of Old Testament law so that, that God could take care of his people in such a way that his people would be the ones who would take care of his people. Which again gets back to the main theme of the book of Ruth, that God shows his love to us as we show his love to each other. Okay, then verses 21 to 23. Then Ruth the Moabites said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Okay, so now that we've walked through this chapter, I, I now want to point out two topics from this chapter that, that should be things that, that we should see directly how we can apply to our lives. The first one is compassion. When in your life has someone shown compassion to you? Maybe it was a time when you were injured or sick and needed help. Maybe it was a time when you had a project that you couldn't do on your own. So homework assignment today. When you're gathering with family or friends sometime today or later this week, I want you to share a time in your life when someone showed compassion to you. And there are lots of great instances of compassion in Ruth too. For example, Ruth starts out this chapter with compassion by volunteering to go and glean. And again, as I mentioned before, that could have been a very risky thing for her as a single woman to do. But she knew what needed to be done for her and her mother-in-law to be provided for, and she knew that she had the ability to do it, so she offered in compassion to go and serve. She wasn't just thinking about herself that's a problem that we all have in life, is that we only think about ourselves. But compassion thinks about other people, and that's what Ruth did here. Compassion is a huge part of that Hebrew word chesed. Again, that, that's the word that I like to translate as loving kindness. Um, let me just stop here for a moment to apply this to our lives. Because if we're not going to see the need, how are we going to meet the need? So the question I have for you is... Do you close your eyes to the needs around you? Or are you willing to open your eyes and see what it is that, that God might have you do to provide for people in need? And again, those needs, they can be financial. They can be relational. Um, it could be just, you know, they need help moving something. That can be compassion. God sees our needs. And he takes care of our needs. God also sees the needs of the people around us and he wants to take care of their needs and maybe one of the ways he does that is by sending us to help with their needs. So again, one of the main themes of, this, of the book of Ruth. 
But then also in Ruth 2, we see compassion from Boaz. In verse 8, he told Ruth that he could stay and glean in his fields. And then in verse 9, he gave instructions for his men not to touch her. He even allowed for her to get water from the jars that the men had filled, which is usually the reverse. In those days, it was often the women and the foreigners who would go and collect water for the others. So Boaz is really going above and beyond to show kindness here. And again, that's one of the ways that people understand kindness from the Lord is when we go above and beyond and show God's love to those around us. But there's even more in verses 15 through 16. Boaz gave these orders of how the harvesters were intentionally to, to leave some of the harvest behind. Boaz didn't have to do that. It doesn't say that anywhere in the law that they had to take some of the stuff out that they've already harvested and leave it behind. But Boaz went that extra mile because he knew that providing for Ruth would also provide for Naomi. So do you see the great kindness and compassion of Boaz here? He saw Ruth, and, and he put two and two together. And again, sometimes we just close our eyes. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need two bucks for something. Well, maybe they need more than just two bucks for something. Boaz saw the need that was, that was deeper than just what Ruth had said. And he provided for both Ruth and Naomi in this. And then, in verse 19, this is the point of the story where Naomi perks up. Up until this, she'd kind of been in this woe is me phase, but we're going to see very shortly, especially as we get into chapter 3 next week, Naomi becomes one of the heroes of this story. And, and here she starts to see it from God's perspective. She starts to see what God had provided for her, not only in Ruth, but also in Boaz. So like I've mentioned before, in verse 20, Naomi talked about the kindness that she had seen, both from the Lord and from Boaz. And, and as well, I would say that, that she had seen this kindness from Ruth. For Naomi, this helped her see that she had a part to play in this story. And again, um, she wasn't seeing things rightly until she saw God's compassion. And then she kicked it into gear and, and did her part. We all have a part to play in this. Some of us think that we might not have much to offer, but we, we all have a part to play in God's story. Okay, so the first point here is compassion. Let's apply it now. A couple questions here. Do you show compassion? Do you see the needs of people around you? God is a God of compassion, and he loves to show his compassion to us. Maybe you haven't felt God's compassion, and if that's the case, I just want to urge you to consider that maybe you haven't been looking for it. I think that's where Naomi was that she just would rather throw a pity party instead of seeing what God was doing to provide for her. But I also want us to be people who see the needs of others. That as we understand the compassion God has given to us, may we open our eyes and see the needs around us. So is that who you are? Is there somebody that comes to your mind right now? As I talk about what, what you might be able to do in general to show God's compassion to others, maybe God is putting somebody specific on your heart. And I just wanted to urge you to, in the power of the Holy Spirit, just think about who that might be or what that might be that you can do to show God's love to others. Let's move on to our second point. Hard work. This chapter is filled with hard work. And here's the second part of my homework assignment for you. There's only two parts. The first part, talk about a time when someone showed compassion to you. The second one here, talk about a time when you went through a season of especially hard work. Maybe it was when you were young and you had to walk to school uphill both ways. Yeah, we know that story, right? <laughs> For me, one of the seasons I think about is when we purchased and remodeled this building. There was just extra work that needed to be done in those days. And I remember telling Christine, I just might be a little busier for this five-month period than usual. And uh, I was glad to do it, but uh, I'm also glad it was done. 
Um, but a huge part of hard work is being willing to do hard work. And, and oftentimes we get this wrong right at the beginning when, when we make that decision in our minds that we're not going to do the work. Well, Ruth got past that obstacle right away. Again, in verse 2, she offered to go and glean. Now think of what would have not happened in this story if Ruth didn't make this offer. We wouldn't have seen all this kindness from the Lord, but, but God showed his goodness and his love as Ruth went to go and do the hard work. You see, there were other ways. I, I mentioned Israel's welfare system, and this was part of it. There was another part of it that talked about special offerings that would be given for, for poor people who couldn't take care of themselves. But Ruth didn't wait for that one. She was willing and she was able-bodied and she said, I can go out and work and do this. Now, those of you who know me and my preaching style, you know that I don't get political very often, but I think that our country could stand to learn a message from Ruth. I think that there are probably too many people in our nation that are just waiting for their handouts. But look at the example of Ruth. She could have waited. She could have said, hey, I know that every three years there's a special offering commanded and it goes right to poor people like me. So I'm just going to sit here and wait. That's not at all what she did. She got to work doing the hard work of gleaning. And, and in fact, she worked so hard that the people took notice of her. Wow, she's, she's working hard. She's been here since morning. She's hardly even taken a break. Ruth showed hard work and her reputation went ahead of her. So let's not be afraid of hard work. Um, here's that part in Ruth 2.11 where Boaz noticed the, the work that Ruth had done. And not just this work of gleaning, but the, the work of, of caring for her mother-in-law as well. May we be a people with a reputation for doing good, hard work. Is that your reputation? Have you gained a reputation as being somebody who's willing to step in and do what is needed? As, as I look around the congregation, I see some people, are, yep, yep, there are, there are some hard workers in here. And, and maybe that's not you, and maybe you just need to talk to the Lord about that and ask Him to give you the strength that you need to do the work that He has given for you to do. But then also in this chapter, Boaz was a man with a good reputation. We might have to read in between the lines a little bit, but I think that if we look at verse 4, we see Boaz as a man who recognized the Lord in his work and who had a good reputation with his workers. The theologian Barry Webb said of that verse that Boaz was a godly Israelite who had the, res who had the respect of his workers. You see, for Boaz, all this talk about the Lord be with you, that wasn't just spiritual talk. That wasn't just him scoring a touchdown and pointing to the Lord. I, I think that this was part of Boaz's character, that he recognized all he did as being from the Lord and that he treated his workers well. And, and when he saw his workers, the workers wholeheartedly said, the Lord bless you. I think his workers had probably been blessed by Boaz, and they prayed for that blessing to come back to him. Okay, now let's move ahead to verse 17, and let's take a look at just how much Ruth worked. It says there that after she had gathered and threshed, um, that what she had gathered amounted to about an ephah. Now, in your Bible notes, it might say that an ephah is three-fifths of, of a bushel, or 22 liters. There's some more recent estimates that put this at maybe 10 to 20 liters. Um, it said that one person could live off of one ephah per day. So let's just take that middle estimate. Let's go with about 15 liters. So in one day, Ruth was able to get about 15 liters of the finished product of, of barley. That would be enough for her and her mother-in-law to eat for about a week. And as we learn later on in the story that Boaz invited Ruth 
to harvest with her until the end of both the barley and the wheat harvest. We know that that was a period of time that was about seven weeks to two months. So if you do the math there, and every day she could get enough food for her and her mother-in-law for a week, and she worked for seven weeks to two months, that that would have been enough time for her to get a year's worth of food for her mother-in-law. But think about all the hard work that had to go into those. And some of you who are farmers, you know the hard work of harvest time. Um, But you see again the way that God provided for his people here was by strengthening them to do the hard work that needed to be done. God showed his chesed, his loving kindness, as his people worked hard. Ruth worked hard. Boaz gave her the opportunity to do it. And in doing so, Ruth and Boaz both showed their love and God's love to Naomi. This kind of love doesn't happen as we sit and wait. This kind of love happens as we work hard for it. So the application question here, are you a hard worker? Again, I'm asking you, what's your reputation? And and some of you, you know, you don't have to have anybody else tell you what your reputation is on this. And maybe some of you need a little kick in the pants here on this. And you need God to, God will strengthen you for it. God's power can energize you to do the work that he has called you to do. And I just want us all to be good, hard workers with our reputation going before us. Sometimes we view work as a curse. And yes, there are certainly parts of our work that are difficult and are affected by the curse of Genesis 3. But remember that that work came even before that, that God gave Adam and Eve work to do even before the curse came. And I would say that now, even in the midst of this curse-filled earth that we live in, that, that God's blessing is for us, that he will strengthen us to do whatever he calls us to do. So as we work, we engage in those good works that God has prepared for us to do. And let's remember that hard work is a way of worship. Worship isn't just putting on your Sunday best and singing to God. In fact, sometimes hard workers feel a little uncomfortable doing that. Did you know that your hard work itself, the stuff that you do from Monday through Saturday, that that can be worship too? And as we show God's love through our hard work, others will see God's love. It reminds me of John 13, 35, where Jesus said, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, how is that love going to be seen and felt? It's going to be seen and felt as we work hard to show it to them, as we show God's compassion in the midst of it as well. It's a powerful thing when God's people work hard and show compassion. You see, in Ruth's time, it was a time of chaos and disorder. We talked about that last Sunday. It was a time in Israel where it says everyone did as he saw fit. But yet there were some individual Israelites in here like Boaz and Ruth who were willing to work hard and to show compassion to others and in doing so to show God's love to other people. So let's be like that. Let's, let's show that hard work and compassion. Uh, one of the ways I thought that we can show hard work and compassion is in marriage. Have you ever heard the phrase that marriage is hard work? Well, let's do that hard work. Let's, let's see what, what our spouse needs. Let's, let's have compassion as we look at our spouse. And let's do what needs to be done in order to show love. And isn't it great that we have just right there in our homes the opportunity to show God's love and compassion uh, in such a way that our, our spouse can actually feel it from the Lord. And that's not just for marriage. That's for any close relationship. Let, let's, let's show compassion and hard work in those things. Okay, now I want to close my sermon. Like I said at the beginning, I want to close by looking at Ruth chapter 2 in light of the gospel. 
Jesus has shown chesed to us. He's shown loving kindness to us. In this sermon, I've tried to show you that we can show God's love to others as we show compassion and as we work hard. Now I want to show you how Jesus showed compassion and how Jesus worked hard for us. In compassion, Jesus saw us in our helpless state. Our helpless state is beautifully described in Ephesians 2. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were dead, and we couldn't rescue ourselves. And Jesus saw it, and Jesus did exactly what needed to be done for us. He came, and in compassion, offered himself for us, offered his body for us, that through his death, we might be saved. Jesus often showed compassion. That, that word comes up throughout the Gospels. There's one story that Jesus told about compassion. Remember the prodigal son who had gone away and then recognized in his desperate need that maybe his father would take him back as a servant? And what does it say about the father when he saw his son? It says two things about him. It says he ran to him and that he showed compassion to him. That's the compassion of our God. Not to want us to be dead in sin, but to want us to be alive in Christ forever. We deserved punishment, but instead we were shown amazing love, amazing compassion. In Romans 5, 8 it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the compassion of Christ. What about work then? Theologians often talk about the work of Christ. And when I think about the work of Christ, I think about his life, death, resurrection, and his ascension. So, real quickly, in his life, Jesus worked hard. We think about his life as an itinerant preacher, going around, uh, not having a home, not having a place to lay his head, but he, he worked hard to, to teach the truth of the kingdom of God. He worked hard to help poor. He worked hard to show miracles. Uh, we know it was tiresome work for him, but he did it. He worked hard. And then in his death, he worked hard for us. And that's amazing to think of because we know that Jesus could have just called on the angels to stop it all. But he didn't do that. He went the full distance to work for us, to purchase our salvation. And one of the ways I like to think about this, I, I think I alluded it to it in, at communion time, there had to be work done in order for us to be saved, but not our work. Okay? Please know that. Our, our works are a good thing. After we've been saved by Christ, our works have an important, a huge role to play in our lives. But our works have nothing to do with our salvation because we could never work enough to earn our salvation. It's only what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross that would be enough payment for our sins. So the work of Christ was to die for us. And then his work was validated in his resurrection. It's the proof for us to know that all those things that he said he was going to do in his life, in his ministry, and in his death, his resurrection proved that he did what he said he would do. That, that he died for us, that he paid our sin penalty. And then, as Jesus ascended into heaven, it says in Scripture a couple of things about him, that he, he's in heaven as our high priest and as our advocate. As our advocate, did you know that Jesus continues to pray for us? In Hebrews 7, it talks about how he always lives to intercede, to pray for those that he has saved. Isn't that a, a great thought, that, that perhaps at this moment, Jesus is praying for you? So Jesus came and lived a life of hard work and, he, and he's still up in heaven working for us right now. So as we think about the work of Christ, uh, our job now is to believe in him. And to believe means that we put our trust fully in him, that we give our whole lives to him, that we commit to walking on the path with him 
the path that he has for us. And as we keep walking with him, that's where the good works come in now. That, that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And part of those good works get back to the harvest. I was thinking about this, and, and maybe I'm analogizing it too much, but I was thinking about how Ruth went and gleaned behind the harvesters. And we think about Jesus as the harvester, and, and we can be like his co-workers. Gleaning with him. It's not that Jesus missed some and, and we have to make up for what he... No, no, that's, that's where the analogy goes wrong. But what we can do is we can join with him in this work of the harvest. That we can proclaim the gospel, the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we proclaim that good news to others, they might see God's love through us. That's the way it happened for me. Is that the way it happened for you? That somebody explained the gospel to you and you were so thankful that they did? Now, I know that that's not always the response that people give us when we share the gospel. But it is for some. And to me, that makes it worth it for us to go out there as harvesters, joining with God, working in His harvest field, because they're ready. Let's go out with a gospel message. With hard work, it takes work sometimes to share the gospel, and with compassion. Let's remember that God loves these people. Let's show His love to them as we share the gospel with them. And again, as we show this kind of love to others, God himself shows his love to them. What amazing love we have been shown. Let's show his love to others. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this great love that we saw in the book of Ruth. How we, we saw your people working hard and showing compassion. May we be people who work hard and show compassion. Help us to open our eyes to see the needs of people around us. Whatever those needs might be, Lord, help us to do our part in meeting them, whether that's financial or emotional or spiritual, uh, whether they need to hear the gospel, whatever it is, Lord, help us to be people who show your compassion. And help us to work hard. We thank you that you have prepared good works in advance for us to walk around in. Help us to do those works with the power that you provide. And in all we do, God, may we show your love to others. May we give you glory by by showing your loving kindness to the people around us. We thank you for how you've shown it to us. May we now show compassion and work hard to show your love to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.